I'll never forget, I was at Michigan, which is obviously the big rivalry for Ohio State. And I really liked being up there. And then all of a sudden, I remember getting in the car with my dad. And I'm like, hey, dad, I think I want to commit to this place. What do you think? And he said, son, I love you and I'll always support you. And he said, the one thing I can promise you, if you go to Michigan, I'm going to be at one game a year. That's all I can promise you. I'm like, why is that? He said, well, I'm going to be at the Ohio State-Michigan game and I'll be on the Ohio State side. So I knew from that point that uh, there was only one place I was going to go. I canceled all these official visits. I took one official to Ohio State and uh, that was it. Welcome back to Beyond the X's and O's. Today we have an awesome conversation with Marcus Freeman from Notre Dame and uh, his high school journey is pretty unique. Now we've talked to some really good football players that became coaches. He might be the best. He's prayed all American, um, dominant player, uh, at his high school and ends up going to Ohio State. He's prayed all American. Like I said, so we get to talk about what it meant to go through and be a highly recruited player. And, and ultimately it came down to a conversation he had with his dad and him where he's being recruited by Michigan too. And his dad tells him, well, I'll be at one game a year. It'll be the Ohio state Michigan game. And I'll be on the Ohio state sidelines. That kind of sealed his recruiting journey. Uh, had a great career at Ohio state was able to play in two national championship games. Talks about the pain he still holds from losing those games. Um, talk about his journey in the NFL. And it's really important to understand. He was a fifth round pick, probably could have played in the NFL for a long time. Finds out he has a medical condition that kind of forces him out of football. So we talk about that valley, that period of time in his life when something that he'd always dreamed about was taken away from him and, and what he learned through that process. And what ultimately led him to becoming a GA at Ohio State, and, uh, then climbing the ladder quickly in, in college football coaching ranks. Um, one thing I mentioned to him, and I loved his answer, was I talked about just what a great reputation he has amongst NFL players, players he coached, uh, coaches he coached with. Um, it's hard to find a bad thing anybody has to say about Coach Freeman. And he immediately directed it back to his military upbringing, his Korean mother, and the work ethic he saw from them, uh, how they always treated people with respect. Um, and it was just fascinating that, that it was just instinctive, like, hey, I am this way because of who raised me. And now my team gets to benefit, benefit from that, and as well as do all the players or coaches I coach with. Uh, pretty fascinating uh, that he was in the midst of kind of drinking by a fire hose as he gets the Notre Dame job. He's in a hotel room and he wants to go to bed and he turns on ESPN to watch the little TV and he sees the 150 years of Notre Dame football and the players that built that place. Uh, and what it, that inspired him to do two and a half hours later is to host a real legacy event around their spring game. And he talks about the why behind he brought, why he brought back all the great players, what his players got from that. I was able to share with him what the alumni got from that because I know some of the people that were there and they were just so impressed. Now, this is a fascinating conversation with Coach Freeman, one you don't want to miss. This episode of Beyond the X's Nose is brought to you by Baya Energy Drink. Well, welcome back to Beyond the X's and O's, and I am super excited about today's guest, Coach Marcus Freeman from the University of Notre Dame. I'm excited because I don't know Coach very well, and I'm going to use this as an opportunity to get to know him a little bit better. Um, Coach, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me, brother. I appreciate you having me on the show. Well, this is going to be fun. We start all our guests, whether it's a Hall of Fame quarterback or a big-time college football coach, the same question. Take us back to Huber Heights, Ohio, Wayne High School. What was Friday Night Lights? 
like? Like, I get jazzed oh. about Friday Night Lights. Tell me what your experience was like. Oh, it was awesome. Um, I grew up um, as a young kid in, in Huber Heights, Ohio, always going to the Wayne High School football games. And uh, they went to the state championship my eighth grade year. And so that became the school. And we had a great coach that came in in 1998. His name was Jay Mitten. He came from Boca Raton, Florida. And um, he had coached the Belisari brothers that went to Ohio State and some other uh, mm -hmm. big time football players down in Florida. And so um, he brought kind of just a new, uh, maybe a new confidence, a new way of, of really approaching the game. And, and the program kind of took off. And so we had a kid back in nine. No, 1999, it went to Ohio State, and that became what you wanted to do. And, and um, I was able to be the next one to go to Ohio State. So we had two in 99. We had John Hollins and Will Allen, who ended up playing a while in the NFL. And so um, I became the next one to go to Ohio State, and it was awesome. It was is what you did in the, the Huber Heights, Ohio. But then all of a sudden, when I left, um, I think for a while it was known as Marcus Freeman's High School, but a young man named Braxton Miller came in there. And uh, yeah. from now on, it's been called Braxton Miller's High School from that point. <laughs> okay, so you're an eighth grader. You're going to the high school football games. You obviously are tingling inside, like, I can't wait to go do that. Well, then you go there. What was your first varsity start like? What were the nerves like? Can you remember the smells or tastes or any visuals from that night? I can. I can tell you exactly who we're playing. Um, so it was week six. I played defensive end uh, a little bit and rotated, played varsity and JV, but I never started. Then week six, we had somebody get injured, and I started at defensive end. And it was against Beaver Creek High School, which is a school in Dayton. And uh, we ended it. up beating them, but I had a sack. I had a sack that game, and I'll never forget, man. I'm a young kid, and you got a sack, and you just think you've arrived. And so little did I know that defense end wouldn't be my position, and, and I'm just beginning to know what it was like to play varsity football. That's a game I'll never forget. Oh, it's the best. Isn't it amazing? No matter where our football life takes us, we remember that first varsity start and just the experience of that. Yeah, I find it incredible that to a man, everybody remembers that first feeling. Oh, yeah. Something you never forget. Yeah. Tell me this. Were you a dual sport athlete or was football your only thing? No. And again, I don't want to be like back in the day, but but everybody was a dual sport athlete. I played um, football. Um, I did basketball for two years. Um, before that, I was a wrestler and I stopped winning high school and then I was I did track. So I ran the hundred and four by one and then I did the shot and disc. So I was always busy playing multiple sports. So we, I, I'm really curious by this. Let's dive a little deeper into that. Um, at, and we're looking from two different angles. One, lessons did you learn from playing other sports? So some learn how to be role players. Some learn just the capacity to work. Some learn how to be different types of leaders to different teams. Some learn just how to balance academics with the time management. So let's answer that first. What are the main things you think you learn from playing multiple sports? I think it was the ability to be a teammate, the ability to really not understand it's not about you know you as an individual but more so about how you can be a great teammate now as you go to track um there was a little bit of the individual side of it where in shot and disc it was it was all about you to open 100 it was all about you but in the four by one it still was a team and, and obviously the, the team aspect of high school track still was in place but i think that's what it taught me is that 
no matter what sport you were in, you, you had to learn how to become a great teammate. And, and also it's that competitive nature, you know, is the ability, you know, now when you specialize in a sport, you're only competitive during the competition. Right. And, and back when I was in high school, you were having competition every week, no matter what sport it was. And so those were things that playing in multiple different sports all year round taught us. And, and again, you kind of segued yourself into the next part of the question. Now you're recruiting at the highest level and we'll talk about your number one recruiting class later on in the show. But now you're recruiting these top notch blue chip type players. Has it become part of your evaluation? Not that you would ever not recruit a kid because he's a specialized player, but do you see value in these kids that are learning those same lessons? Yeah, I think we just talked about it today in our recruiting meeting is that, you know, we can as college coaches get so focused in on how great of a football player this person is. Let's look at football camp. Let's look at what he does on film. And sometimes you, you, you disvalue playing in other sports. And so we just had a conversation Well, this kid was a, this typical kid, this, this individual was a football player. He was a basketball player and he's track and he's really successful. And we're like, Hey guys, we have him valued here because maybe he just doesn't have only football film. Right. And he doesn't have all this camp film, but where's the value that we put in that he's playing in multiple different sports an ultimate competitor. Um, and so we have to remember that because us as coaches can get so blogged down with just seeing football players in camp. And let me see us run his 40 and let me see us change directions that we lose that competitive side to it, you know, and, and you really got to look at these kids nowadays and not just look at the athleticism, but above the net. Right. And how much can you trust this person? What does he bring to you as a teammate, you know, and not only as an individual, but the team aspect of college football? Well, I'll get on my soapbox a little bit just from my experience at Elite 11 all those years, seeing the, in the opening where we'd see the best 156 players in the country come out to Oregon or Dallas or Redondo. And what I learned was the, the specialized athlete also, they may run the better route. They may have better bump and run technique. They may have better eyes at safety. They may have better punches at, as a tackle or a guard or whatever it is. But they're also, their ceilings are less high because that might be as good as they can get, or they might only get a little bit better. Where you take that kid that's the ultimate competitor that hasn't honed in on one thing and you're now at the University of Notre Dame going to get the best out of that player because the best coaching is going to take place once he gets to college. And now his ceiling is going to be higher than the specialized app. Uh, just it's an observation of mine from doing it for 12 years uh, through the Elite 11, the opening and now coaching high school football. So we're big proponents of dual sport athletes. We, we think the more you can do, the more value you have. Uh, you learn so many principles of playing other sports, so I'm glad you value it the same way. Now, I will say this. We've had some coaches on that are were really good high school players, that were really good college players. We've never had a parade All-American on. You're the first parade All-American. Walk me. That's a big deal. I remember listening. I'm not, what am I? I played probably nine or ten years older than you. That was the only thing that mattered was being a parade All-American, and you were one, so – Talk to me about that experience. Oh, it was awesome. Um, you know, you, you think back to your high school days, and that's some of the, the the funnest times you have in terms of those guys you have in that school, the 
the students and, and all of a sudden you're named a parade All-American and you just think you're the greatest thing since sliced bread because you're the big man on campus. And uh, <laughs> then all of a sudden you go to a place like Ohio State and you realize, okay, there's a lot of great football players here, you know, but those are, are memories you never forget, man. You never forget that recruiting process. You never forget some of those awards. I had a chance to play in the Army All-American game at that time and play with great players like Teddy Ginn and Adrian Peterson and Keith Rivers and some of these guys that are, are absolute studs. But um, sometimes when you're the big man on campus like you, we all are in our high school, uh, it's a great feeling. What was that recruiting journey like? I mean, there's listen, our audience is young coaches, dads, and kids that are, you know, three, four, five-star athletes that are going through this recruiting journey right now. What was your recruiting journey like? Well, I grew up an Ohio State fan. Um, my dad's from Columbus, Ohio. Uh, you know, he was always an Ohio State fan and grew up an Ohio State fan. So from, from at a young age, like that was the ultimate place to play football. And, and I think after my freshman year, I realized that, hey, maybe playing football at the next level was something I was going to be able to do. And, you know, you're always your focus. Was, Can I ever get that Ohio State offer? Um, but then all <laughs> these offers and opportunities started coming in. And I remember saying, listen, I'm going to go see some other places. I loved Ohio State, but I wanted to go see some other places. And I'll never forget I was at Michigan, which is obviously the big rivalry for Ohio State. And, and I really enjoyed it. I loved Lloyd Carr. Um, I really liked being up there. And then all of a sudden, I remember getting in the car with my dad. And I'm like, hey, dad, I think I want to commit to this place. What do you think? And he said, son, I love you and I'll always support you. And he said, the one thing I can promise you, if you go to Michigan, I'm going to be at one game a year. That's all I can promise you. I'm like, why is that? He said, well, I'm going to be at the Ohio State-Michigan game and I'll be on the Ohio State side. So I knew from that point that uh, there was only one place I was going to go. I canceled all these official visits. I took one official to Ohio State and uh, that was it. Okay, now this one you may have to answer carefully, and I trust me, I understand. We're not here to do any controversy, but you are now the head coach of one of the greatest institutions in the world and one of the most prestige football programs in the world, and you're a esteemed alum from another institution that's equally as great, and recruiting the same type of kid. I'm not. I don't know what the question is. I just got to imagine that can be uncomfortable for you at times. Yeah, I think I'm able to speak to young people and, and tell them I understand what you're going through. I did it. I went to Ohio State and it was the greatest thing for me at that moment and what I was looking for. What I try to do with young people and see what do you want out of your college career? What do you want after your college career and then when you're done playing football? And that's what makes this place so unique is that I truly believe you can achieve the highest of heights at, at Notre Dame and play the highest football and the highest level. And, and we know this trend that you can be developed anywhere in the country. You really can to be a, an NFL football player. Like if God gives you that ability, you're going to get the opportunity. Um, if you're that good a football player, the NFL will find you. But what makes this place so unique is that the education and what the network of Notre Dame does for you long after you're done playing. And that's to me as a parent, right? And as a father and, and as, you know, somebody that's gone through college football and had a chance to play in NFL, like there's a long life to live after you're done playing. And Notre Dame truly opens so many doors for you long after your sport is over. Amen. Well, again, you should do TV, Coach, because you just segue perfect into the first break. We're going to go to our first break. When we get back, we're going to talk about Coach Freeman's playing career at, U at Ohio State, uh, how he got into coaching. Uh, we'll be right back. New Starbucks Bio Energy Drink. With caffeine naturally found in coffee fruit, 
It's energy that's good. It's a beverage that is crafted from caffeine naturally found in coffee fruit, as well as antioxidant vitamin C. It includes three delicious fruity flavors, mango guava, raspberry lime, pineapple passion fruit. A refreshing fruit flavored boost of feel good energy in a way only Starbucks can deliver. Starbucks Bio Energy Drink packs energy and flavor that gives me that boost when gearing up to watch the big game, have a long day out on the field with the kids, or sit down and have a quality conversation for our audience. Starbucks Bio Energy Drink is available online, at grocery stores, convenience stores, and gas stations nationwide. Back with Coach Freeman. Hey, Coach, it's interesting. You got to play in two national championship games. Um, Usually when a guy plays in one, I'm like, just tell me everything about one natty. You had to play in two, had two opportunities. Walk our audience kind of through those experiences. Well, we lost both, so they're they're hard to re- remember. <laughs> um, but, you know, 2006. The bigger experience. <laughs> I was on a uh, undefeated Ohio State team. We had just beat Michigan in the number one versus number two game. Um, and uh, we had a Heisman Trophy winner quarterback in Troy Smith, Ted Ginn, and, and we're getting ready to play a Florida team led by Urban Meyer and Chris Leak and Tim Tebow. And, and I can go on and on about that team. But we started off with a kickoff return for a touchdown. Um, and we said, OK, here we go. And we ended up losing 41 to 14. So it didn't go the way we wanted. Um, but again, it was a great experience um, and a lot of fun. And then the next year, um, we make it back to the national championship. This year, we're playing against LSU. And uh, it was led by Les Miles and uh, I think Matt Flynn and, and Jacob Hester, and I think of some of those great players they had. And in that game, it, the score was, I think, a little bit closer. It, may, it might have been 38 to 14 or something like that. But it, they, they got after us, you know, and they played better on that day. And, and the opportunity to play in national championship games are unbelievable. But, but at some point, I want to be a part of someone that, that's a team that wins the national championship. <laughs> well said. Now, drafted in the fifth round by the Bears, uh, how incredible was that to finish a great collegiate career and then hear your name call on draft day? It's an interesting experience that I I tell the young people that I'm around all the time is that you're never going to go as early as you want, unless you're the first pick taken. Because the second pick, Aiden Hutchinson this year, probably thought he was going to be the first pick, so you have to wait. And... For me, it was the same thing like anybody else. You think, oh, man, I might go third round. I go say whatever. You get, you get the, finally, you get the call for the fifth round. But it's the greatest, uh, just the greatest feeling. And it, it's something that you always dream of, getting that call saying, hey, we're going to draft you with the next pick. And, and you don't worry about where you're drafted at. You just, in that moment, you enjoy that day and that opportunity to, to be drafted. And then the work really begins. And for me, you know, I remembered in terms of, uh, it was a tough situation. Again, I grew up in Dayton, Ohio, which is 45 an hour, uh, an hour away from Columbus, Ohio. I had a lot of my teammates um, from high school that was on my Ohio State team. I was close to home. I played pretty early and never really got outside of my comfort zone. Then all of a sudden you go to Chicago. Um, I have a wife and a son at home. And I'm like, man, this is lonely. And, uh, you know, I, I was a little bit homesick. And then so I was cut right after training camp. And, and that's kind of opened my eyes in terms of what this NFL is all about. And I fortunately, I got the chance to go play with the Bills and the Texans that year and learned, okay, 
things don't happen by chance. You got to be really intentional in terms of you've won a chance to really make an NFL team. This is a grown men. These are grown men that this is their job. And so I learned a lot in that year. And then at the end of the season, I was getting ready to um, sign with the Colts. And that's when they found an enlarged heart valve, which kind of got me into coaching, which I know we'll get into. But um, it's a great experience, right, to, to play in the NFL, to get your name called. But ultimately, you have to realize that it's a job and it's hard work and that every day you have to come to work with the right mindset. Yeah, I want to land there for a little bit because I, I think you're probably going to speak in this in an awesome way and help some people with your answer. So you, you reach your dream. You're an NFL player. You find out that you have this medical condition that's going to force you to retire. That, by nature, becomes a valley, correct, in our lives. Like when, you're, when your dreams are kind of blowing up, you're like, wow, I'm in a valley. Um, talk to the young player out there, the young coach out there, the young person out there that's in a valley life like you went through when you found out you couldn't play football anymore. Um, how'd you get through it? What'd you lean on? What'd you learn from it? Yeah, um, that's a great point, Trent, is that I wasn't prepared for it, right? And, and that's the, the, the thing you try to teach young people is I was never prepared. You think you're going to play in the NFL long enough that you're going to make so much money, you're never going to have to work again. You, you can pick and choose what you want to do. And at some point, the, you don't retire from the NFL. The NFL retires you, right? Usually, Amen. maybe not you, Trent. You played long enough. But no, I didn't. Most no, of us it, it knocked my butt out. <laughs> You know, most of the NFL retires us, and, and um, you know, it, it it's difficult, but you have to, to do what you've always done. Get back on your feet and start swinging and go back to work and figure out what is that passion. And that's – I don't want to make this a recruiting pitch, but that's why I love being the head coach of this place is because I often challenge our young people here to – it's okay to think about your future while you're playing football. People always think, I can't think about life after football because it's going to take away from the great football player I want to be. No, that's not true. You know, you have many opportunities to really consider those things that you have a passion for and start making decisions while you're playing that truly help you navigate through that, that valley that we just talked about in terms of life after football. And so I encourage all of our players, and, and we do different type of networking deals to just – Start finding different experiences that can help you say, what will I have in passion for for when I'm done playing? It's not a plan B. It's just a plan for life after football, and I think it's so important. But you can't feel bad for yourself. you got to get to get back to work and, and do the things that made you a successful football player because they'll make you successful in whatever field you're in. So wise. I'm going to give you a little story here. I wasn't going to tell you this, but you brought it up. So the other night, my wife and I are at a dinner party, and somebody – starts asking me about when did you know you're going to do TV? Cause that's what I did after I got done playing the NFL. My wife chimes in, chimes in. She goes, no, he was so adamant that if he ever thought about the next thing, it would take away from the thing he's doing. And you know what that was? That was a false bravado of mine. Now I can look back as a 50 year old man and realize all the mistakes I made. That was such a mistake I made was thinking, oh, if I, if I let my mind go to where, I'm, what I'm going to do after football, well, then football might end sooner for me when I should have been way more proactive and used my 14 years in the league to have a plan after football. And I got lucky. I got to go do TV, but that goes sideways for a lot of players, whether it's leaving college, leaving the NFL. So please listen to Coach Freeman, like use football as a platform. Hopefully you get to play it for a long time and make a ton of money. But if you don't use the game more than it uses you, so that you can launch 
into something bigger and better when you're done, which you did, Coach. You ended up get, going back to your alma mater and being a GA at Ohio State. Uh, again, we don't have to spend too much time there, but now you're cutting your teeth as a coach. Uh, talk to me about your experience, but also add some advice in here now to all these young GAs that are listening that frankly might be a little entitled these days and don't necessarily grind it out like your generation did. Well, for me, um, I had always wanted to be an athletic director. And I actually G I GA'd um, my last year at Ohio State for our athletic director, Gene Smith, and did some different things. And, mm. But then all of a sudden, I remember being on practice squad in Houston and, and saying, I, I love this game. I, I love being in it. And when I, when I found out I had an enlarged heart valve, um, I called Coach Tress and I said, Coach, I think I want to be a GA. I don't want to be an athletic director. And, and the reasons for it probably aren't the reasons why I'm still coaching. Um, the reason is because I wanted to be around football. I wanted to. I loved scheme. I loved practice. I loved all the things that had to do with, with just being around a game of football. But I remember being a G at Ohio State, and, and I created a, a tip sheet for one of our defensive ends that I was coaching at that time. And I remember – I can't remember exactly what the tip was, but I remember he had a sack and came to the sideline, and we celebrated. In that moment, that feeling of, of satisfaction because you helped a young person reach a goal was the greatest fulfillment I could ever have. And that's what keeps me in this. It, yeah, I'm a competitor. Yeah, I love football. I love the scheme. But I love to see young people succeed and help them succeed. And that's why I continue to do it. I love it. The passion never ends. We're going to go to our next break. When we get back, we'll talk to Coach Freeman about, and I'll actually share with him some pretty incredible things NFL players and coaches he's coached with say about him. We'll talk about his number one recruiting class right now at Notre Dame and a lot about his incredible family. We'll be right back. Here at Beyond the X's and O's, we don't shy away from real-life conversations. And today, we're talking about one of the most taboo topics, finances. U.S. Bank offers a wide range of credit cards for a wide variety of financial needs. And one of its most useful cards is the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card. With a low introductory APR for 24 billing cycles, this card is a tool for getting ahead. The U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card is a savvy financial move for large purchases, unexpected expenses, and balance transfers. And with the ability to customize your payment date, this card gives you control over your financial future. Apply now at usbank.com platinum. With the U.S. Bank Visa Platinum Card, you can be worry-free for the next two years. To see if you qualify for the best introductory APR out there, visit usbank.com platinum. Limited time offer. The creditor and issuer of this card is U.S. Bank National Association, pursuant to a license from Visa USA, Inc. Some restrictions may apply. We're back with Coach Freeman. And Coach, you know, I'm sure you get a lot of perfume poured on you. I'm going to pour a little bit more on you. Sitting in the seat the last couple of years and having some really highly recruited players, I've had a chance to talk to um, a lot of NFL players that have played for you, coaches you've coached with. I've read quotes from players that have played for you. And I've interacted with these coaches on the recruiting trail. And it is amazing the things they say about you. Uh, it's really intrigued me on the human behind the coach. Um, is there a core value that you carry that when you left 
the NFL, you start coaching or something you learn along the way, just about treating people a certain way, engagements, whatever it is that's allowed you to have this impeccable reputation amongst those you've coached with and coached? Well, I think it goes back to my upbringing, Trent, and that, you know, my father was in the military for 26 years, and he was in the Air Force, and, and he was a lot older uh, when he had me. He was 43 years old when he had, uh, my mother had me, but, um, you know, I think what he taught me growing up as a young child is discipline and, and hard work and, and toughness and, and, you know what, outworking your opponent. But then the other aspect of this is I have this Korean mom that came over to the United States in 1976 with my father, had no clue what the a life in America was about, but she would do whatever it took to sacrifice for her family. She worked three jobs and, and all she did was love her family. And, and I think when you grow up in a lower to middle class Dayton, Ohio, and you learn to treat people with respect and be appreciative of the things you have. And that's what I believe in that, you know what, I can, we can be the most hardest working staff and um, I want to be the example. I want to be the, 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 the trendsetter, but also I think you can treat people the right way. You can treat people, you can be very demanding, but treat people with respect and, and hold them to high expectations. And that's the way I love to lead. I, I say this often, I lead as a teammate. And what's that mean is that I'm the captain, but not the owner. Right. And that I'm not looking down upon anybody. I'm in the fight with you. And when we have success, it's going to be because of us. And when we have failures, it's going to be because of me as an individual, you as an individual, we're all going to point the finger at ourselves. But I think when you lead as a teammate, your, your team, your coaching staff, your players feel like you're with them in the fight. And that's the way that I've always led. And I think it's a product of my upbringing. I love it. Well, you got a dream job. I mean, I think most people, when they think of coaching college football, Notre Dame's on the probably top five of the dream jobs. Without getting yourself, take us a little bit behind the interview process and how it all unfolded. Um, did you did you imagine this time last year that you would be where you're at now? No, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that. Uh, I came to Notre Dame ultimately because um, – what I knew this place would do for me in the future. I decided to be a defense coordinator in Notre Dame because I knew at some point I wanted to be a head coach. And the presidents and the ADs would look at me differently as a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame than anywhere else in the country. Um, little did I know it would be less than a year. But um, kind of how it all unfolded was the Monday after the, uh, the, the Stanford game, our last game of the season. Um, I'm in a high school. I'm, I'm sitting outside of a high school getting ready to go in and recruit. And I get a phone call from my agent. And he says, Marcus, are you 100% sure that, that Brian Kelly would not be interested in this LSU job? I said, hey, I, I talked to him about it uh, three months ago. He's not interested. He will never go to LSU. I'm 110% sure. Well, then I go into the school and I go see this, this young man. And I look at my watch and I got six missed phone calls from Brian Kelly. And I go, okay, maybe I need to go return this phone call. And so I go call Coach Kelly and he tells me, hey, that uh, I'm sorry, but I'm going to take this job at, at LSU and, and I want you to come down. Please apologize to your wife. You just moved. And, and I just said, coach, I need a job, but I need to talk to my wife. Let me go home and talk to my wife. And, and really from that Monday to Wednesday, some things started happening. I started getting some phone calls. The athletic director called me and I interviewed on Wednesday morning. Um, and uh, they offered me the job um, Wednesday. And so, um, you know, Friday was really when the video and I was introduced to the team, all those things happened. But it was really just a roller coaster of emotions because at no point did I ever think that, um, one, Brian Kelly would leave, but two, 
that I would be having the opportunity to interview to be the head coach here. But I'm truly grateful for Father Jenkins, our, our president, and, and Jack Swerver for giving me this opportunity, and our players. Man, our players were were very outspoken in terms of, of you know hoping that I could become the head coach. But ultimately, it took the, the higher ups in our administration to make that decision. Well, it's been working. Uh, top rate recruiting class in the country right now. Uh, instead of talking about that, I, this is your opportunity to just say, what's it mean to be a Golden Domer? What's it mean to be a student athlete at the University of Notre Dame? I mean, I kind of know a little bit because I saw my daughter go through it, but I think I don't think a lot of people can appreciate the uniqueness around that. It's a unique place, Trent. And when you think about Notre Dame, you, you think about this huge brand. You think about Notre Dame football and you think about, you know, NBC, but when you come here, you realize, man, it's a small, a small campus, right? It's 8,500 students here. And, and what you become is, is community. And what makes this place so special is that you can truly, again, I said it earlier, but maximize your talents as an individual. You can play this game at the highest level, but you become a community with these 8,500 other students. And that's what South Bend forces you to do, right? You, you stay with dorms, you stay in dorms, and you have to learn that, guess what? That roommate or that dorm mate might be a Fortune 500 CEO that you're gonna be networking with, you're gonna be in a relationship with, and, and you know this community you become one with. You become better because of the time you spend here, and what it does for you is it truly sets you up for the longevity of your life. That's why I love being a head coach for this place, because I believe that you can offer somebody everything right? Not just football access, not just an academic uh, degree that's, that's, that's well-respected, but everything that a young person is looking for. And they might not realize it. Young people might not realize how important life after football or a degree is, but you can, if you can kind of get them to see it, you can get them to see, as we talk about that moment when they're done playing in whichever way you can do that in whichever way you can get their mind to see that moment that's when you'll realize Notre Dame truly maximize every opportunity that you're looking for as a young person in this world. And so um, I'm so honored to be the head coach of this university and uh, uh, this network and, and, and what, you know, this place offers young people. Well, you wouldn't be where you're at without the support of obviously your wife, your incredibly large family. I, I got the names before we got on the show. I'm not even going to try to say all the names or six <laughs> kids. Talk to me and just pay a, pay, just, I don't know, uh, give a shout out to your family and how much they've meant to you on this journey. Oh, as you know, being a, a coach is such a, uh, a selfish profession, right? And that you, you, you truly uh, have to work. You have to spend time away from your family. And, and my wife decided to be a, a coach. Why she married and, and we married into this, but the kids didn't, you know, and they have to accept it. And, and, the one thing I've, I've, I've learned is let her make all the big decisions, right? And, and naming our kids um, was one of those decisions. My wife's Italian. Her name's Joanna, but we have a Vincent, a Sienna, a Gino, a Nico, a Rocco, and a Capri. So the one of those decisions was let her name all the kids, um, give them Italian names. But, um, again, I wouldn't be able to do my job without them. And, uh, you know, my wife stopped by for lunch with one of the kids, which is so important because – you know, it's a blend. It's not a balance. It's a blend and an ability for her to stop by with even one of the kids for 30 minutes and see me at lunch. And but also so for our players to see us as husbands and fathers like that's so important to me and more so than X's and O's. I want our players to be, become better fathers and husbands because of what they see from their coaches. 
Amen. That's amazing. We're going to end this way. I just had a unique experience this weekend, and I was with one of a, a great Golden Domer, and I played with a bunch of them, Bryant Young, as well as these people I was with this weekend. And um, he said you did something really unique. You brought 350 of the alums back um, and brought them on campus. Uh, tell me a little bit behind the purpose of that, and then we'll end the show by telling you what they told me about the experience. Okay. It's a little bit of, give me a, a minute to tell the story, the background. And, yeah. uh, you know, when you become the head coach at Notre Dame, you, every day you, you wake up, you pinch yourself, and you, you can't believe it. And, and at some point, maybe after the bowl game became natural, became normal, what you do? I'm the head coach. And I remember getting to a hotel in January, and it was about 1130 at night. And I said, look, I just want to lay down for 20 minutes, watch TV before I fall asleep. Well, I turn on ESPN, and they're playing the ESPN 150 about the history of Notre Dame football. And probably about two o'clock in the morning, I'm still up watching it. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is this is crazy, you know, and that you're the head coach of this place. And so I wanted our current players to understand that. I wanted our players to understand the privilege they have to be a part of this football program. And so what better way than to bring all these former players back, right, that help build this program to where we're at today. And so I kind of reached out um, through Hunter Bevan, our director of player development, and to all the former players that we want you back. This is an open door policy, and, and you know, we kind of made this legacy weekend around the spring game. And so part of what I did that weekend was on a Thursday before the spring game, and we were in a room with 300-plus former players and 100 of our current players. And what I did was I said for two hours, I told our current players, I don't want you to think about Saturday. I don't want you to think about being a great football player. I want you to think about the moment you're done playing. And for two hours, you network with these successful men. And they didn't care if you were Jerome Bettis, an NFL Hall of Famer, or whoever you were. They just knew these were former Notre Dame football players that are all successful. And so that networking began to happen. And then what I did on Saturday, they were around some of the recruits, and they were able to tell these recruits, hey, I did everything you want to do. And so it's so important for us, myself and our players understand, we didn't, Notre Dame football didn't become Notre Dame football because of us. It's the history and the tradition of this place and these former players helped build it, but also want our current place and network with those guys and to really understand it, achieve everything, achieve football greatness, achieve NFL success, but achieve a network and, and life after football that, a life after football you can have success. And so it was an unbelievable experience for me and the players. Well, it's for the alumni too. This this particular alumni said it was his first time back where he really felt as special as he felt when he played there. So you're doing a lot of right things, Coach. It's been a pleasure having you on. I appreciate you and uh, just enjoy. Keep, keep pinching yourself because you're in a special place. Thanks for being on. Thanks for having me, man. I look forward to doing it again. That concludes this episode of Beyond the X's and O's. Thanks to our sponsor, Buy Energy Drink. Well, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Coach Freeman as much as I did. We'll see you next time on Beyond the X's and O's.